Oh, take three. Today is Monday, January 4th, 2021, time for episode 134 of the Barnhart Podcast. And I just want to clear up something right off the bat. Um, the official comment from Superdirt Media is no comment in response to rumors that EWTN might be offering to merge with and, and make a, a super Catholic podcasting conglomerate with Super Nerd Media. It ain't happening. Well, I mean, no comments, folks. No comment. And that would be your policy until a public statement was made by both parties. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the golden-haired one has... Um... <laughs> Enough of that. Actually, I don't, I don't want to give any more press to that, to that dude. Um, moving along to things that are actually more intellectually uplifting. Um, you know, some sometimes, and I, I, sometimes I forget also, but uh, sometimes we, we, we start with a prayer before I start recording. And I have never once ended a prayer with a man or a women. But some knucklehead... I can't come up come up with enough pejoratives to describe this dirtbag. Ended a, a the prayer on the house of the floor of the the Congress today with amen or a women, and that wasn't even the worst part of it. Well, it was to the to the mono the monotheistic Brahmin <laughs> Emmanuel Cleaver using big words that you don't know the meanings of. <laughs> And um, the que- the question that was going around on Twitter is, is he really so stupid that he thought that the word amen is a, is a gendered word? Uh, and the, the answer, answer is, is yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is that stupid. And this is, I've been thinking about this. Um, I've, I had a post that's back before, um, when when my website was still the brokerage and I was, you know, doing cattle and grain market commentary and then just blogging on current events a little bit before the big remodel and everything when it was still Barnhart Capital Management. And I have a post somewhere and I don't know, maybe it's on the Wayback Machine, but the Wayback Machine is pretty spotty um, on Barnhart.biz until I did the Koran burning. Um, but there was an incident where a, a, a black congressman named Hank Johnson was sitting on some sort of a committee and there was a Marine Corps or Navy Admiral. Oh, wait, who, wait. Is this the one where he thought that Okinawa might flip over? Uh, Guam. He th- Yeah, he thought he, he goes through. He, the, uh, Hank Johnson is sitting there lays out this big blustering asking asking this flag officer for the dimensions um how how tall is guam north to south how wide is guam east east to west and you know has delusions of grandeur in his own mind and takes about 12 minutes to establish the the dimensions of the island of guam and then and then seriously, he was completely serious, looks at this flag officer and says, well, don't you think that if we um, install a, a, a U.S. base there, and I guess I think it would be Marines, and we had, you know, all of these Marines um, stationed on Guam, that it would put the island of Guam at risk of capsizing. The guy was completely serious. Hank Johnson was serious. 
the flag officer is sitting there and hears this. And there's, we'll put a video of this in the show notes because I'm sure it's still on YouTube. And the flag officer is, is sitting there absolutely shocked and then laughing, not laughing, ha, 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 but he's smiling and he's, he's laughing at this. And I, I, you know, and we all watch this and it's, well, you he's know, laughing I'm, because he thinks he's getting pranked. Like there's some kind of joke going on. He's just waiting for the, the congressman to say, I'm just kidding. Gotcha. And but then no, he realizes that he, that he wasn't being pranked, that Johnson was serious, that Hank Johnson was serious. And then the, and then the flag officer is laughing at how stupid the guy is. And I made this post and I said, you know, every, and of course this is going, going all over the internet. Everybody's talking about this. And I made a post that said, you know what, everybody's laughing at this, but this is not funny. This guy, Hank Johnson is on the mental retardation spectrum. And he's one of what what how many are there in in Congress? 435 retards or or congressmen? No. Oh, oh, good one. Good one. Um I just 435 normal, congressmen. 400 congress critters. Yes. 435 well, 438 technically. Yeah, cuz like D- District of Columbia and I think Guam has their territories have a have a seat too. Um anyway, this guy, Hank Johnson, is on the mental retardation spectrum. Legit. No lie. No kidding. He's, he's that functionally stupid. And he has a vote. He has one vote in a, in a chamber of 435 or whatever it is that is dictating um, basically the policy eventually of the entire planet. This is not funny. This is not funny. And the fact that people are sitting there laughing at this, you do not understand the gravity of of what this means and what's going on and what this is going to mean. And boys and girls, here we sit. We're living through it right now. Totalitarian putsch, global totalitarian putsch. Everybody's under de facto martial law house arrest. um, And it is never going to end and it's never going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. And one of the big reasons that this is happening is because there are people who are literally on the mental retardation spectrum who are sitting in seats of just unfathomable power. And nobody... Not only does nobody think this is a problem or care to do anything about this, it's only getting worse. I mean, they're they're at this point. Hank Johnson is a brain trust compared to some of these imbeciles that that are running around in in the U.S. Congress and state houses and and so on and so forth. This just it's just find the most um, the stupidest person that you can possibly find, and then the other dynamic is the dynamic of. Anybody who has an IQ over 100 wants absolutely nothing to do with any government at all. I mean, you, who in their right mind, literally, who in their right mind would at this point say, yeah, I'm going to run for Congress. are, Are you crazy? That's 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 absolute madness. No one who's not some sort of either a complete psychopath or mentally retarded would want anything to do with any of that. And, and that's why we're sitting here and we have this reverse meritocracy where the, the, 
moral dregs of society and the intellectual dregs of society go straight to the top. And I mean the top, baby. And that's where we are. Well, speaking of uh, people who put the idiot and useful idiot, do you remember uh, Congresswoman Corrine Brown? She mm-hmm. went viral in 2009. She did go her Gata. little go Gata. Yeah. Go and she, Gata. Could, she couldn't yep. pronounce uh, the name of the quarterback from Florida, Tim Tivo, um, Corch Brown, or I forget her. Um, Corch Brown. Yeah. She, she couldn't, she couldn't read English in front of her. She had a prepared, you know, one of those stupid statements you make into the congressional record, blah, blah, blah. The Florida won the the BCS championship or something. And so she's a congresswoman from Florida and she's reading this script into the congressional record. She cannot read English, simple English right in front of her. It's It's unbelievable. And the best YouTube video is the one with subtitles. Yes, yes, <laughs> because, yes. Because it, it highlights all of the things she can't say. Yeah, it's perfect. We'll put that in the show notes too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I already, I already wrote that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we go much further, obviously the world is coming apart at the seams. Perfect time to say Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. Uh, Christmas Yay. is still ongoing until, what is it, Thursday this week? Well, well no, actually, it goes it goes till February 2nd, technically. But, it's but technically uh, February st- 2nd till Candlemas, yep. Yes, we're, we're still in the 12 days of Christmas, so uh, don't take your Christmas trees down yet. No way. No way. And keep making mulled wine and doing all kinds of festive things. Yes. And uh, let's see. Uh, what other introductory uh, things do we have to say on this one? Did you have any other notes before getting nope. into the questions? Nope. Go to the questions. Okay. Um, let's see. What should we start with today? I, <laughs> I didn't really plan out uh, the order. Well, let's just go with this one first. Uh, what happens if Benedict the Sixteenth dies and Bergoglio is still alive? Do you become a set of a contest? Well, the sea would be empty, wouldn't it? Well, duh. Yeah, of course. Um, this is this is a, a very important question, and I, I think I've written at least two big pieces on this, and we'll put them in the show notes. But yeah, it it doesn't hurt to go through this again. Um, there's a lot of people out there, especially uh, especially Sedevacantus, 1958 Sedevacantus, who think that the last pope was Pius XII and that there hasn't been a pope since the death of Pius XII in 1958. Um, they're, they're big on it. And then, of course, the Trad Inc. people are big on it. And the Novus Ordoites are big on this, too. They think it's some sort of a gotcha line to say, well, what are you going to do if, if, if Pope Benedict dies? Well, you're going to be a set vacantist. And the answer is, darn tootin', I'll be a set vacantist. What else would you possibly be? If there is no living Holy Father, if there is no Vicar of Christ alive on the planet, what, what other possible ontological circumstance could that be? This, this whole thing of, of and this is the, the poison and the really Luciferian chess move and chess um, strategy of the whole 1958 Sedvacantus position is that that has all been tied up into a socio-political anti-Semitic um, position. So if if you you've taken something, which is whether or not there is a living vicar of Christ on earth, whether or not the sea is is occupied, um, which is an which is a binary objective reality. 
It's either yes or no. Either there is a pope alive on the surface of the earth or there isn't. There's no gray. There's no wiggle room, nothing. It's an objective, binary, ontological reality. So you've taken an objective, binary, ontological reality, and Satan, through this whole 1958 said error, has turned it into a political football. And so you can character assassinate people and point fingers at them and say, Ooh, you're a set of vacantists. Now, I mean, let's talk about that. We're getting now back into Hank Johnson, Emmanuel Cleaver, um, Corinne Brown levels of stupidity. If you're, if you're going to sit there and honestly make the argument that there is absolutely no difference whatsoever between a person who says that there has been no vicar of Christ alive on this planet since 1958 and someone like, for example, me, and let's say, God forbid, that Pope Benedict died five minutes ago. If you, if you are so lacking in, intellect, in intellectual capacity and nuance, or you are so fundamentally dishonest that you look at a situation and you say, okay, Pope Benedict died five minutes ago. That means Anne Barnhart and Mark Doherty and Dr. Matzah and apparently half of tradidom at least. You people are all now exactly the same and hold exactly the same position as people who say that there hasn't been a vicar of Christ on earth since 1958. Yeah, it's exactly the same line, totally different. Exactly the same, except totally different. And there, again, let me reiterate it. There's only two possibilities if you're going to go with that tack and talk about the definition of my dear, your slip is showing. Either you are terminally stupid or you are fundamentally dishonest. It's one or the other. There's no wiggle room at all. So yes, if the Holy Father Pope Benedict were to die, of course the sea will be vacant. It, and it will be, you could call it interregnum. It would be an interregnum just like any other interregnum. He became the Pope in April of 2005. He's been the Pope since April of 2005 all along. He never stopped being the Pope because his his putative resignation in, 2000, in February of 2013 was canonically invalid 12 ways from Sunday. And pretty much everyone acknowledges this. And I think Vigano, um, Archbishop Vigano, gives like 99.99999% indication that he sees and understands that Bergoglio isn't the Pope. He, he at this point, has just completely stopped referring to him by Pope or even Francis. It's just Bergoglio. Um, you know what? If, if, you're, if you're listening, Archbishop Vigano, if you're, if you're listening, Excellency, if you're there, if you acknowledge the reality, if you've looked at the canon law, as I'm, I'm sure you have, and you've come to the conclusion and everything backs this up and we have all the data set and all the consilience pointing to exactly the same answer, that Pope Benedict is, is the Pope and the whole Bergoglio thing was a coup, it was a coerced overthrow, and it was canonically invalid. What Pope Benedict said vis-a-vis -a, -vis a putative resignation was invalid. 
Excellency Archbishop Vigano, if you have come to that conclusion and you believe that, for the love of God and his holy church, will you please just say it? Quit the tippy-toeing, quit the hint-dropping, quit all of that. How's that working out for you while the Chinese are being are being destroyed while, while we're, we're over here playing rhetorical games. If Archbishop Vigano, you believe as so many of us now do that Bergoglio is an anti-Pope and that Pope Benedict is the vicar of Christ on earth, say it, knock this crap off, man up and say what you believe. And if, if you believe that Bergoglio is the Pope, well, then man up and say that. But quit this fence-sitting. Fence and this goes not just for Archbishop Vigano. This goes for everybody out there. Everyone needs to man up. This is, this, is a, this is a cultural problem across the board. Well, I can't say that. That might jeopardize my job. That might, oh, I might get people not giving me money anymore if I say, oh, why don't you just get, I am, I am a giant effeminate slug tattooed across your forehead. It would be more subtle. Man up and say what you believe. Be willing to, as Denninger puts it, pot commit. That and that's a that's a reference to um, poker, as, as like you know pushing your chips all in. Pot commit. Take a stand. I'm not asking you to to say something that you don't believe or say something that you're not completely convinced of. I don't think that's the problem anymore. The problem. That across across the board in society is that people oh behind closed doors you know they'll they'll they have very strong opinions and strong positions on various and sundry things but everyone is such a bunch of of chicken poop that nobody will say anything and now you're locked in your house you have to wear a masonic burqa um your children if 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 barring war or supernatural intervention, um, go, go find a four-year-old child. Go find a four-year-old child and look at that child and understand that if something isn't done about this and a, either a war of liberation is not fought, and I mean a hot physical war, or there's some sort of supernatural intervention, but we shouldn't be presuming upon that. If war is what is required, then we should be driving towards that. Um, look at look into the face of a four-year-old child and understand that 50 years from now, if that child even survives and is alive, people will ask that child, do you remember what it was like before? And that child will say no. That child will say when they are 50 years old, no, I don't remember what it was like when people weren't wearing masks. I don't remember what it was like when there were shops and restaurants. I don't remember that. Stop and think about that. Because this thing, this thing is not going to self-correct. This is not a fad. This is not a phase. This is not something that's going to blow over. It's only going to resolve through either force of arms or supernatural intervention. If you want your kids to grow up in a de facto gulag, 
well, if, if you're that much of an effeminate and you can't take a stand, well, it's, you know, it's one thing if you, if you want to settle for that in your own life. But, you know, how dare you? How dare you subject your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren to life in a gulag? And you will be held, you will be held to account for that. Say what you think, take a stand, pot commit, be ready to push your chips in and make sure you understand that when I use this, this poker euphemism, I am talking about your life. I am talking about your physical life. Martyrdom is real. War fighting is real. Just war, wars of defense, dying men and in this one, it's going to be women too, dying in a war of just war of self-defense. Yep. That means potentially you are going to die in this. Is that the worst thing in the world? Nope. It sure isn't. I think the worst thing in the world is living to a ripe old age, being a miserable, miserable coward, dying and then going to hell for all of eternity, in large part because you were, in life, a miserable, miserable coward. Step one in that Say what you think. Say what you believe. Quit the pussyfooting. Pope Benedict is the Pope. Trump won the election. Bruce Jenner is a man. I mean, th th this isn't difficult, folks. It isn't difficult. All right, dismount soapbox. I don't have anything to add to that, so we'll go to the next question. It's sort of similar. Do you have any idea of the number of priests who hold the belief that Benedict is the Pope and offer their masses as such. Oh, I, who actually commemorate, well, none of the Novus Ordo priests do because the canon is out loud in the Novus Ordo. Um, in terms of the ones of trad priests who are saying, who are saying the rite of Pius V, where the canon is silent, um, I, I don't think I don't think it's very many. Sadly, um, priests. I think the priests especially are just completely terrified. You know, see see the last rant I just made. Um, they're afraid they're gonna that their bishop is going to take their faculties away. They're afraid that they're going to be. I don't know that eventually that Bergoglio is going to try to trick them into thinking that they are schismatic and excommunicated when of course they wouldn't be that would be that would be a luciferian lie because Bergoglio has absolutely no authority a to declare anybody to be in schism or to or to excommunicate anybody because all Bergoglio is is a criminal he's a priest and he's a bishop but he's just a criminal, and that's how you have to have to think of him. Um, he has no authority to to do anything, and he's not the standard of schism. Pope Benedict, the the Holy Father, is the standard of schism. So it doesn't matter if the entire if the entire planet minus me and Mark Doherty and Doctor Matza. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, there's the three of us who say that Pope Benedict is the Pope, and we're attached to him. And everyone else, everyone else on Earth, says that Bergoglio is the Pope. Well, then guess what? What that means is that everyone else is in schism from us, because the standard 
is the true vicar of Christ. The standard is the truth. So me, Mark, and Dr. Matza, for example, we are basically welded onto the Holy Father Pope Benedict. The Holy Father Pope Benedict is welded onto the infinite monolith that is God in his holy church. You see? So we're like three, Mark, Dr. Matz, and I are like three atoms that are, that are welded onto a, a molecule, which is the Holy Father. And then the Holy Father, that molecule is welded onto a monolith that is infinite, infinite in size. And so if you think about it that way in the true perspective, it makes it clear that even if 1.2 billion Catholics and the entire surface population of the planet of 7.7 billion people, if they all unanimously say that Bergoglio is the Pope and he's not, relative to the, the, the size of the infinite monolith that is God in his holy church, it's completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter. If it's just Mark, Dr. Matzah, and me, we're grafted onto an infinite, um, an infinite structure. It's everyone else who's floating out. And so, and I think people think of schism in terms of numbers. And the other, the other error that I know that people make is that they think of schism in terms of basically real estate. Who who controls and who has ownership? Who controls the deed on all of these churches, like physical, the physical real estate? And the thought process is, well, whoever, whoever owns and controls the real estate, that's the church. And anybody who is apart from that is in schism. Well, that is just, that's completely obtuse. Of course, that's not true. The, the, the truth is, who's the vicar of Christ? And Ratzinger's the vicar of Christ. So he's the standard of schism in his person. Now, um, in terms of people who are in a state of, of good faith error about who the vicar of Christ is, that's all, that is all left, of course, to our Lord at all of those people's particular judgments. Um, sure, there are people out there who just have no idea. And because, you know, Raymond Arroyo calls Bergoglio Pope Francis on EWTN, little old grandma is completely convinced that that Bergoglio is the Pope. She doesn't know anything about anything. You know, she she doesn't read. Um, she doesn't have any understanding of, of what Bergoglio does, says, his connections, his agenda, has no idea about that. And, and you know, and she dies tomorrow. Let's say she dies of, you know, influenza, um, even though that's been miraculously eliminated from the surface of the earth since April, amazingly. Uh, let's say little old grandma dies of influenza tomorrow. Um, you know, she, we commend her soul to our Lord. And our Lord's not a jerk. Um, you know, if, if she's just genuinely not culpable for the good faith mistake of thinking that this man, that the entire world is saying this guy's the Pope, um, of, of course, our, our Lord isn't a jerk. I mean, I, I cannot make that point enough. And this just keeps this, um, I don't even know if you'd call it a heresy. I, I, it's, it's more, it's just a blasphemy, I think. 
is that there's more and more people as this Corona scam progresses and lockdowns are happening and, and businesses are failing and there's massive suffering and um, the church is under de facto interdict and nobody can get to mass and nobody can go to confession and the priests are a bunch of effeminate whiny losers and the bishops make the priests look like macho men by comparison. Um, and people are losing their faith. They're being scandalized in the true sense of the word because they're losing their faith because of the behavior of other people. And um, there's a lot of rhetoric and it's coming out of, again, these, these trading partisans that are, that are clearly in the process of apostatizing or going into schism, want to go to the Eastern Orthodox or just quitting. Um, and, but they can't because they make so much money and there's no way that they could replace the income that they get from their grift on, you know, the internet and so forth. Um, if you're, if you're pulling down $20,000 a month and you're basically, you basically have no skills, you've not been, been able to hold a, a steady job at any point in your entire adult life. And now you're making $20,000 a month grifting off the internet. And you're, you're telling people behind closed doors that you are, um, that you're leaning towards, you're leaning towards atheism, going back and forth between atheism and deism, which is the, um, the indifferent watchmaker. And guys, I've, I've seen the screen caps of the conversations. That is exactly what's going on. And this has been going on for years. You say, well, why would a person who is, who is just on the internet, on social media all day, every day saying that God is a jerk, what a jerk God is. We don't deserve this. I didn't ask for this. And on and on and on and telling people that, you know, the church isn't what I thought it was and God has let me down, which is, by the way, a classic diabolical narcissism thing. Diabolical narcissists who get involved with religion um, tend to do exactly the same thing with God that they do with other human beings. And that is they groom them, they build them up, da, 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 da. And then they dump them and say, you know what? You are just such a disappointment to me and you're not who I thought you were. And, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is, that's also the exact cycle that gay men go through and lesbians too. They're so promiscuous. It's just, everything is you're the greatest thing ever. And then, Oh, you're not what I thought you would be. You're such a disappointment to me. And so going on and on about how God is a jerk. And you say, you sit there and you say, why does this person continue to run like a, ca a trad Catholic website? $20,000 a month. And there's no possible way that the person could ever get any sort of a job that could replace that level of income. So they're completely trapped. They're, they're apostatizing or, or wanting to go into schism or whatever, but they can't stop the grift because they're making so damn much money at it that they can't walk away from it financially. And they've got themselves tied into, you know, million dollar house, million dollar mortgage, um, people in the family um, speculating and day trading the futures markets. I mean, it's just talk about, talk about stupid. I mean, just catastrophically stupid, but then dragging everyone else down, down with you, you know? So yeah, it's a, it's an absolute mess. And I hope, did that sort of answer the question? At least I, I think it more or less answered the question. Okay. And, and then some, I, I think it's mm -hmm. a five gallon answer for a, 
half gallon question. Well, <laughs> but, you know, that's how I roll. So. <laughs> and and uh, to the, to this next question, I think we can do something similar, but I think we can also um, answer it pretty quickly. Uh, do, and can, do you have a citation or some authoritative section of canon law which you can show to help me convince others that Bergoglio is not the current pope? The topic of universal acceptance is a stumbling block for some specific people I'm trying to convince. You know, it would be great if you had like a DVD you could hand to somebody. Yeah, if, if only if only someone would put together a four-hour video presentation and all of this split into two parts with timestamps and half of it has a professionally done transcript, I think. The um, the citation for universal peaceful acceptance actually, well, um, Canon 332.2 specifically says that um, the it, if a whole if the Holy Father submits a valid resignation, it is not necessary that it be accepted by anyone. So that's kind of number one. But actually, the best proof set for this to shoot down the universal peaceful acceptance argument. And I've written on this multiple times, and we will put this in the show notes, is actually, if you look at all of the citations that Cisco and Salza and Skocek and all these people that they all cite, and there, there's, I think there's a couple of them. It's the funniest thing in the world. That every one of the citations that they make about universal peaceful acceptance says specifically that the resignation um, or that the election, excuse me, because it's, it's, it's citing a papal election, a conclave, that the, the papal election, the conclave must be legal. It must be legally valid. Every single one of these citations says that right there, bigger than life, antecedent, jumping off the page, boom, it has to be legal. Stop and think about this. Do you honestly believe that the College of Cardinals could ratify, could sanate an illegal, untrue, lying, dishonest, criminal conclave just by getting together and say, oh, it's all good. Stop and think about this. That, that they are the arbiters of truth and that they can literally overturn objective reality just by getting together and agreeing with a sufficient majority that, yeah, this, this thing was totally illegal, but if we say it's all good, it's all good. And that, and therefore, the College of Cardinals, which we know to be like 90 some odd percent infiltrated and infested by sodomite criminals, who, by the way, Trad Inc. make a point of reminding us on a daily basis, subscribe to, according to them, a completely different religion. What is their mantra? Novus Ordoism is a different religion. All right, so you're saying that a bunch of sodomite criminals who are members of a religion which is not Catholicism have dogmatic, infallible power above even God himself and that they can ratify and sanate something that is false, untrue, and criminal and is uncanonical is against the law does that sound right to you 
what that sounds like to me is something that that Satan would come up with or try to convince people of. I mean, it's 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 mind blowing. And again, these people they're they're afraid that they're going to lose their donations. They're they're afraid they're going to lose their career tracks. And some of them have this position for no other reason than they have a personal beef with me because I wouldn't be a member of their of their clique where they would sit around and engage in blasphemy and run with sodomites and, oh, he, he, isn't that funny? And no. Uh, and I walked away and said, goodbye, adios. And so it's a personal vendetta against me for some of these people. I, wow. That you'll, you'll tie yourself in those knots. The Cisco and Salza, which one is it? Salza, that guy was a 33rd degree Freemason. He says he quit. But um, big problems with him infiltrating the Fatima Center and all of that. Um, absolute mess. Terrible. And just, you know, people tried to convince you that the College, the College of Cardinals have power above God himself because they have the power to alter objective reality and that they are the arbiters of truth, not God. Uh, boy. That that's, makes me think of the scene from uh, A Man for All Seasons where um, Thomas More is being interrogated for the seventh time, I think it is, and and the question of the succession of of, of uh, or or who who can legitimately claim authority over the church, and and the question of what's the extent of the king's power, and and Thomas says some men think that the earth is flat, some men think it's round, but if it's round, will the king's command make it flat, and if it's flat, will the king's command make it round? Yep. It, it 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 sounds like a similar argument, and and that's in turn that's not a question that that's asked, but it's something I've talked about uh, suggesting as a to, as a topic. But uh, recommended movies, and Man for All Seasons is is a yeah. definite must watch because we're in a in a point now where the idea of whether or not we answer questions that are posed to us, um, that's going to be that could be quite relevant very soon, and. We still are under Anglo-Saxon jurisprudence where you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. So somebody can make all the accusations they want all day long. Um, now, I don't know that we still have the same idea that silence betokens consent. So that if we don't say why we um, don't agree with something, then it, then automatically you can assume that we don't agree. But no, that, that's an awesome movie. It's It's very timely, very poignant. Yeah. Yeah, and anything about the martyrs and um, the martyrs taking a stand, obviously, study up, folks, because it's it's probably going to start happening to us this year, I think. Um, and, you know, what it gets back to, again, is the lack of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and just thinking, having having this, this nebulous idea in your mind that the church is just an organization that it's not, they don't seem to have any understanding or comprehension that it is the body of Christ and Christ is its head and Christ is a person. And hence all of this, you know, all this talk about, I've never had any sort of actual experience of God that would cause me to love him and and just horrible, horrible things like that. What happens is if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then and a lot of these people have also come out of cults like the legionaries of Christ and things like that and so they are they are completely fixated on men and they want human beings men in the church churchmen 
to to tell them everything, to to do everything. And if the men are corrupt, then that's it for them. There, there's nowhere else to go. There's nothing higher than that because really Jesus Christ is just apparently just a philosophy or something in, in their subconscious or even maybe in the, in the back parts of the consciousness of their mind, because there's, there's no acknowledgement of him as a person. And so the whole, well, I hate going to mass and I hate praying. And I just, it's so long and stupid and boring and dumb. What are all these saints talking about when they say that prayer is such a pleasure and it's an, and it's such a wonderful, my soul flies when I pray the rosary. If you don't have a, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't, if you don't have any sort of conscious acknowledgement of him as a personal deity, then yeah, I, I guess I could I could see that if you just think that it's all a philosophy or a social club or something like that, then yeah, you would never have any there would never be any benefit or any joy to you in praying the rosary or going to daily mass or any of these other things, make it, making a holy hour, going to adoration. And I mean, from my direct eyewitness observation of some of these people, that seems to be exactly what the case is. It's just, it's a philosophy. It's a social club that they tend to like because especially in the trad Catholic world, it, I mean, traditional Catholicism in this day and age obviously attracts people who are of above average intelligence. Um, you know, well, Dr. As, as well as a- as well as some people who are of above average piety as well. And, and these aren't necessarily the same groups. And they aren't necessarily not. But right. Um, I just want to interject real quick talking about the, the idea of, of being a philosophy. I want to jump back to the original question about do you have any uh, citations or sources. I said that somewhat tongue in cheek because Ian's done two or three videos on this at this point and uh, we'll link to two, the two, two yeah. of them. Uh, we'll link to the pages. There are actually DVDs as well and once I get the <laughs> LLC thing sorted out those will be available for sale again uh, very soon so that look for that. But going back to the idea of philosophy this kind of leads into the next question as well mm. or, or, or theology. Uh, which is more wrong? Um, the Russian Orthodox Church or the Vatican II Novus Ordo Church? Russian Orthodox because they're in schism. And they're also unsound on the Trinity, the Immaculate Conception, the Real Presence, and on and on and on. They, the, the Eastern Orthodox have been a train wreck since the very beginning, a thousand years ago. Um, and, and the heresy even predates that, where they just there's a group of people, really, that never assented and got on board to what Holy Mother Church just infallibly dogmatically proclaimed and taught with regards to the Trinity. If you can't even get the processions of the Trinity right, which that's the big thing. That's one of the big things with the Eastern Orthodox. They've been unsound on that from the beginning. If you can't even get the processions of the Trinity, right, then you, you just fall off the cliff into everything else. And so, yeah, they're unsound on priestly celibacy. Um, they the priests are not continent um and oh that that brings up a a a side point um there's there was a post today on father z's blog about um permanent deacons and why why are trad catholics um not cool with the whole novus ordo permanent deacon thing and father z just 
barely, barely touched on it, but not nearly. He didn't go into nearly the detail that he should have, and he didn't say it as bluntly as it needs to be said. The reason that the Novus Ordo paradigm with permanent deacons is is um, unsound is because these men are sexually active if their wives are still alive. And so you have men who are sexually active, who are incontinent on the altar, offering the holy sacrifice in their capacity as a deacon. And that is a big, big problem. Were there permanent deacons back in the day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And guess what? They were all 100% continent. In fact, once you were, in fact, once you were a subdeacon, um, the subdiaconate, being ordained to the subdiaconate involves a, um, a lifetime oath of continence. So if a married man were to receive um, ordination to the subdiaconate or the diaconate, it went without saying 100% that he was taking an oath of chastity um, for the rest of his life. He, now, he could be married, but it, would, it was completely 100% understood that if you received ordination to subdiaconate or diaconate, that if you were married, that you and your wife were going to live incontinence for the rest of your lives. No more sex. You cannot have men who are sexually active on the altar, even married men. And this is the perennial teaching of the church from day one. And guess who were the first to go off the rails on this? The schismatic Eastern Orthodox. You betcha. Um, they've been unsound on that. They're unsound on the Trinity. They're unsound on the Immaculate Conception. They're unsound on even the real presence. I mean, at, go ask, ask a Byzantine rite priest when the consecration happens. And he probably can't even tell you because the right, the Byzantine consecration it's ambiguous. They, they themselves don't even know when the consecration happens. If you don't even know when it happens, I mean, it don't, don't, doesn't that sound like, kind of sound like a problem? And then the other thing that's a dog whistle is if you happen to go to like a, a Catholic, an Eastern Catholic, a Byzantine Rite Catholic parish, um, big red flag is if you hear people around there or the priests start saying things like, well, we in the East have a far more nuanced understanding of the Eucharist. Stop. Red flag. That is dog whistle for we don't actually believe in the real presence. We think it's symbolic. But, you know, we, we are just so much more sophisticated and we have a far more nuanced understanding of it. Um, I had the unfortunate, I had the terrible misfortune of falling in with... Um, some with a with a click of trads that had uh, sodomites at the core, and um, one of these sodomites had been thrown out of um, the the Roman Rite parish, and so he runs off and decides that he's going to become Byzantine. So I was I had gone to um, uh, Byzantine mass, not every Sunday, but every every once in a while because you know the chant is just is gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous if you've got a good choir. Um, and so, you know, it's mass and it's the holy sacrifice. So I would go. 
And I, I would, um, the, what, what it was, it was in, in this particular parish, people received Holy Communion by approaching and then doing this absolutely bizarre one-legged lunge squat. Okay. So anybody who's ever worked out or done CrossFit, you put your left foot in front, your right foot behind, you're in a lunge, and then you do a half squat. So your knee, your right knee is not touching the ground. You're squatting. Your feet are parallel. You squat and you throw your head back and open your mouth. And that's how the, the lamb and the blood is given to you from, you know, the, the spoon. They use a little spoon. It is one of the most um, precarious, unnatural, difficult positions to be in. And I mean, at the time I was going, I was fit. I was, I had just come off of CrossFit. I was running stairs. I, w- I was in good shape. I was strong. And it was so difficult and uncomfortable and distracting for me. I mean, the, every time I would go up to receive and I do this half squat and throw your head back, I mean, throwing your head back just completely throws your equilibrium off. So I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if I fall over, which direction should I fall in? Um, who should I grab? What should I do if I, if I tip over? Th- this is what's going through my mind as I'm receiving my Eucharistic Savior. This is not cool. So I, I knew this Byzantine priest and I asked him, you know, this guy's been in parishes for his entire priestly career, which is decades and decades at that point. And I said, listen, the, the squat thing, can, can I, is it, is it okay if I just kneel down? And he, and this priest says to me, oh, of course you can kneel down. <laughs> of course you can. People all over the world in, in the Byzantine, right, kneel down if they want to. Of course you can kneel down to receive the Eucharist. That, my dear, why, why would you even think that's a question? So I start going. Uh, so now when on the occasions when I would go and receive the Eucharist at this Byzantine parish, I would um, just kneel down on both knees, just exactly like as if I were at a communion rail. And then, you know, head back, mouth open like a baby bird. And here comes, here comes our Lord from the little spoon, the lamb and the blood. Great. I don't think anything of this. Flash forward uh, some period of time. I, I'm at a social gathering with, with this unbeknownst to me at the time, sodomite. He starts screaming at me with like the F word in front of a bunch of people in a, at a good sized social gathering in public, screaming at me using the F word, wait for it, because I knelt to receive the Eucharist at the Byzantine Mass. And I was just a, an indocile, disobedient, willful, holier-than-thou Roman rite, uh, and on and on and on and on. And that was, that was pretty much the beginning of the end. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? What is wrong with this guy? And then just a matter of a few weeks later, people start coming to me including his family members, start coming to me and saying, listen, he's gay and he hates you 
and you just need to you need to get away from him and stay away from him because the, these attacks are never going to stop this craziness is never going to stop doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you're kneeling to receive the the eucharist it's all a front it's all a pretext because he's gay and he hates you i'm like oh okay well that makes sense good to know so problem solved but again the whole eastern thing it's uh they they're unsound on on many many fronts including eastern catholics because they're they're unsound on the on the priestly celibacy question and i i say that without any hesitation at all is are the masses invalid because the priests and the eastern right are married and are sexually active no it's not invalid but it's illicit they shouldn't be doing it i mean good grief if the jews if the jewish temple priests had to um, do a preparatory fast from both food and the marital bed. I think they had to they had to fast for a month before they did their two week shift in the temple. Um, they had to prepare by abstaining from the marital bed for four weeks before going to the temple. And then, of course, naturally, for the two weeks that they're on duty in the temple, they're not with their wives, obviously. Um, okay, if they needed to do that sort of a preparatory fast from the marital bed in order to, to slit the throat of some damn steer, do we honestly think that it's okay that a man be ordained, be essentially espoused, more than essentially, fundamentally espoused to Jesus Christ in his holy church, espoused to Christ, and he's also enjoy and he's also taking to the marital bed with with his wife. No, that it's 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 madness, and every and the thing is is everybody understood this until not too terribly long ago. Um, everybody in the West understood this until not too terribly long ago. If a priest carries on with a woman, he's committing adultery. He's committing a, a special form of adultery that is sacrilegious adultery. So that's your Thomas Williams there carrying on for years and years and years openly with Liz Lev, and then just turning around and going and offering the holy sacrifice of the mass the next morning. Shrug. No, no concept of of what they're doing, the adultery, the adulterous nature of it. Um, if you're going to be espoused to Jesus Christ and His Holy Church, if you have a wife and you choose to take take ordination after you've been married, well, that's fine. It doesn't mean you divorce your wife. It doesn't mean you hate your wife. In fact, it probably means that you and your wife will love each other even more because you've taken now this next step to where you've become a priest. And now both of you, both husband and wife, have made the commitment that we are going to live in complete continence because my husband offers the holy sacrifice of the mass and he he has to be 100% in in any sort of a of a nuptial relationship because the mass is highly nuptial it's the wedding banquet my husband is espoused to Christ in his church he offers the holy sacrifice which is a nuptial feast and therefore, that means that we will no longer be taking to the bed. And what what a beautiful, beautiful thing! And what graces have flown, I'm sure, I'm, have flowed for so many people over 
the 2000 year history of the church, including, let me remind everyone, probably all of the apostles um, except St. John. St. John was a virgin. All the rest of those men were married or widowers. Some of them were probably widowers, but like the pious tradition holds that Peter's wife was still alive and that Peter's wife actually was in Rome. She went to Rome. And uh, I believe also Peter's daughter, Peter had a daughter in Rome, according to pious tradition, and he might have also had a son in Rome. And when I say had a son, I don't mean gave birth to a son, but that his children that he had had before our Lord's ministry, that they um, they eventually were in Rome too with him. So um, as adults, so yeah, and the East is just has been blowing this off for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. And that's why they are so susceptible to the heirs of Caesaropapism. And we're going to attach ourselves to whoever the czar of Russia is, or we're going to attach ourselves to ever whoever the emperor in Constantinople is or whatever. Or Vladimir um, Putin. Or Vladimir Putin. Yep. Well said. It's, it's an absolute mess. So I know going Eastern Orthodox is it cannot be it cannot be recommended i cannot say to anyone ever at any time under any circumstance yes you should go into schism no you should not go into schism we're and we're not there yet we're not even anywhere remotely close where the only possibility that you could possibly possibly have of getting anywhere near a valid mass where there's a valid consecration is going off to the schismatic Eastern Orthodox. Um, we're not even remotely close to that. People who are wanting to go to the Eastern Orthodox want to go because they, um, they refuse to acknowledge that Bergoglio is an anti-pope. And they are they are scandalized by the men, even though it says over and over and over in scripture, put not your trust in princes and the sons of men. I mean, how much clearer can it get? How much clearer can all the prophecies be that there is going to be a mass apostasy that starts at the top? Durr, what do you expect? God only sent his mother to warn us in no uncertain terms that this was going to happen. And now everybody is just going to, you know, gasp and swoon and clutch the pearls and say, well, I have to go be schismatic now. No, that's just a cop out. This is an absolute cop out. And um, it's, it's, it's a lame, it's a lame bunch of excuse making. Speaking of mass apostasy, you could also twist the words there or say apostasy coming from the mass, which comes to the next question. And I've heard you mention over the years that the Novosarto mass is valid, but illicit. Mm -hmm. Would you please explain what that means or what it is that makes it illicit and what are the practical implications? Valid, but illicit means that Jesus comes, but he's angry and he's angry because there is so much sacrilege, improvisation, um, irreverence, I think irreverence is probably the biggest one. Um, the Novus Ordo Mass was conceived in malice by infiltrators in order to essentially um, decatechize the Western Church, and it it worked. What what they were planning to do worked to perfection. They replaced all basically all mentions of sacrifice, especially in the offertory 
um, they replaced all mentions of the fact that the holy sacrifice of the mass is in fact a sacrifice and made a new offertory, which is basically a Jewish table blessing. Um, that's why when you talk to Novus Ordo, people who have grown up in the Novus Ordo, um, been in it all their lives, and you talk to them and you realize that they most of them don't believe in the real presence. They have no idea that it is the sacrifice of Calvary. Like really, 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 it is the sacrifice of Calvary, that time and space are warped. Um, and so because the Novus Ordo rite was conceived in malice by Freemasonic and Sodomite and communist infiltrators, specifically to, like a cancer, they were seeding a cancer inside the Western church to just destroy it from the inside out. Is it valid? Does Jesus come? Yes, he does. Is he happy when, you know, whoever it is, Father Father Kevin Jazz Hands is putting on his little fantasy off-Broadway production. No, our Lord is very, very, very angry. Um, so that's what that means. Um, if it were invalid, like, for example, if you were to go to some Anglican church, and I'm not talking about the Anglican ordinary, I'm talking about the actual Church of England. Um, if you were to go to some Anglican service and they they did what looked like a consecration of of bread and wine it's invalid because they're not priests they're not ordained they're not connected to the they're not connected to the one true church so it's invalid jesus doesn't come jesus doesn't come so that's why you know we are all way more um angry and frantic and disgusted and horrified by the by the sacrilege that goes on in the context of Catholic masses and really not so like for example the Anglicans have you know lesbian lesbian bishops and lesbian priest priestesses and all this crap we're not sitting here going off about that day in day out week in week out because what's the difference there's no consecration happening. They're, they're, they're playing with bread. They're playing with wine. Nothing is actually happening. And so that, that sacrilege is, in a sense, saved. The problem and what we're all upset about is when um, things are going on in the context of a of, of validly, of validly consecrated mass and all this blasphemy and all the sacrilege. That's the problem. Jesus is there. And he is, he is chained to the pillar and he is being scourged every time that happens. Um, and my point has always been, you know, he loves us so much that he does this. And one of the reasons that he does this is because, A, because there's a lot of people who simply are still to this day cannot get to an old mass. And number two, because all of us, we can pop in to um, an adoration chapel or into a church that has a tabernacle. And we can be almost completely certain that our Lord is in fact reposed in the tabernacle of that Novus Ordo parish. I do it all the time. I pop into Novus Ordo, uh, Novus Ordo churches and Novus Ordo, Novus Ordo adoration chapels 
all the time. And yes, it's him. And yes, he's there. And yes, the mass that consecrated the host that is, that is reposed in that tabernacle was valid yet illicit. However, that's how much he loves us. He's not, he is going to do everything he can and he's going to put up with just unimaginable quantities of abuse and blasphemy and sacrilege so that he can be there in that tabernacle so that if you pop into that church, that he's there waiting for you and he's there in that tabernacle. Love, 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 love. The answer to almost every why question with regards to the church and everything that's going on, the answer to almost every question is love. Why does he put up with us? Why is he here? Why is he coming down and being allowing like the the priest? What oh, I just posted the 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 priest that made the tweet with the um pornographic reference to anal sodomy. And you stop and think like that that wretched, filthy, disgusting, vile man calls our Lord down onto the altar and, and our Lord obeys him. And our Lord comes into his filthy, disgusting, wretched hands. Our Lord comes down into that, that Jesuit priest's hands who's, who's on social media making jokes about anal sodomy, um, posing, wearing eyeliner and false eyelashes and acting like a drag queen. And everybody thinks it's so cute. And our blessed Lord comes down into his hands when that priest calls him so that he can be here for us because he loves us that much. It's, um, it's infinite love. That's the answer to all of this. It's certainly a mystery of love I can't understand. Well said, a mystery of love. Hey, maybe that's a show title right there. The mystery of love. Yep. I mean, the the closest analogy I can think of about, you know, Jesus comes for our benefit, but he's not happy about the means with, in, in which he's, you know, being brought through sacramentally. Mm-hmm. You know, if my children were abducted and the, and, and the only way that I could get to them was to be, I don't know, smuggled in in a box of manure. I'm not going to be happy about it. But yeah, exactly. in order to yep. get to them to save them, I would do it. Yep. Yep. You would you would like I'm thinking of the Shawshank Redemption where at the end he has to he has to crawl through the sewer pipe. What right. would you would you would you crawl through the sewer pipe like what's the name of the character? Andy Dufresne at the end of uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Would you crawl through a sewer pipe? to save the life of, of someone you love. Absolutely. There you go. That's the Novus Ordo consecration right there. That's our Lord crawling through the sewer pipe to get to you. Yes. I'm putting in the show notes also the, um, a couple of links. One is to the, the Michael Davies book, the liturgical tie bombs of Vatican two, and also a link to the Ottaviani intervention. Um, essential reading when it comes to talking about what is the difference between the traditional mass and the, the new mass. And what that was, um, Cardinal Ottaviani, our father in God, who was the head of the CDF during the 60s, um, he was shown a preliminary, um, a preliminary version of the Novus Ordo 
and he just about lost his mind and he immediately turned around and drafted a huge thing. And understand what Cardinal Ottaviani was shown would look to everybody out there today in Novus Ordo land like a super duper high, super formal mass. Yeah, ad orientem in Latin. It would, yeah. the, the vernacular version was not even officially contemplated. It yep. was. It, it looked if for people who don't really understand the difference between the traditional mass and the and the Novus Ordo mass, if you saw the the mass as um, conducted uh, based on the previews that Ottaviani wrote the, his intervention, if you saw that version, you'd think it's the traditional mass. Yeah, yeah, and Cardinal Ottaviani was apoplectic, apoplectic at what he saw. Um, it's, it's a mercy that he died shortly thereafter and he didn't live to see any of the, any of the garbage that's been going on that started going on in the seventies. It started going on immediately in the seventies. And then he, he would, a lot of these sainted, sainted prelates, and it's hard to imagine. I mean, in this day and age, you talk about sainted prelates, and it almost sounds like a contradiction of terms. But no, there have been there have been sainted prelates, obviously, throughout the history of the church. A lot of these people, if they saw the average Novus Ordo Mass today, they they would literally fall over dead. They would ha- they would have a heart attack, or they would be so stricken by what they what they see that um th- they would either become violently ill or m- some of them would probably die at the sight of it and i'm not exaggerating uh there are uh, stories of some of the council fathers literally dying from sadness and and there was one particular archbishop yeah. from spain i don't remember his name but um when they realized what was being done uh, just just you know these these are these are men who are espoused to the church, who gave their lives to the church, who loved Jesus and the church, and what, when they saw what was being done, it just ripped them from the inside out, and yep. they they literally died of, of sadness from it. It's um, that's I, don't what, ha- I, I think I, have, I think that's a species of martyrdom. I think that's probably a white martyrdom. Could be to literally I, die of a broken heart like that. Yeah. I don't have any names or links handy, but um, if, if somebody knows of any Barnhart or podcast that Barnhart of is, and we, we could, um, that could, that could become a blog post at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, the next one, um, kind of going along the theme of the mass here, how does a person striving to save his soul and those of his family best answer the question of why to go to the Latin mass instead of the Novus Ordo mass? I, I think we've kind of covered the answer of, to that can, yeah. already. Yeah, I'd just be beating a horse for another 10 minutes, beating the same horse for another 10 minutes. Yeah. Give, give me a fresh horse to beat here. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, um, let's change topics, uh, change channels. Um, what mm. are your favorite books or movies or TV shows? And obviously the last one's kind of a joke. I don't think you have a favorite TV show, but I'm just honoring the question. Um, and actually, to be honest, yeah. that, that is an amalgamation of questions. There were, there were some, some different versions that, that came in. Um, some of them was books, some of them was movies. But uh, your favorite media, let's just put it that way. Favorite media. Um, well, I mean, there are, you can still pull up um, like old black and white episodes of the Andy Griffith show are really good. Um, episodes of Leave it to Beaver are, are good. You can sit and watch that. I was talking to someone, in fact, just last night um, about 
you know, I don't, I don't have television or the, a digital, um, a digital box or anything like that. Apparently in the central U S um, if you have the digital broadcast box, there are a lot of the, the broadcast stations that I, I don't quite understand this. Cause I've, I've literally never even seen this cause I've never had a digital box, but like each channel now has like five or six or seven sub channels under it or something like that. And apparently there's all kinds of channels that are doing nothing but running old Westerns, old Andy Griffith, leave it to beaver, all that kind of stuff. And so it, it actually, if you do want to have, if the family wants to just unwind a little bit after dinner or something and sit down and watch an episode of Bonanza or an episode of Gunsmoke or something. And, um, that's, that's all out there. I really anymore, I don't, what's the last thing I even watched? No modern, no modern television. It's all porn. Um, I don't know. What were you going to say? I was going to say the digital television works a little bit differently. And uh, in, in what I mean by that is you probably, obviously you remember uh, analog television. You've mentioned uh, channel 41 out of Kansas city and, and some of the other ones, but back in the analog television days, if you were watching channel two, for example, that was a six megahertz chunk of spectrum centered on 57 megahertz. And then channel three was the next six megahertz uh, spectrum chance, uh, slice up from that. And mm -hmm. so when you talked about the different channel numbers up to, I think it went to 62, those were actually referencing discrete chunks of spectrum that were assigned just to those channels. Right. When you go digital, the, the, the correlation between the channel number and the frequency is broken. And the, the frequency could be anything available in the local area, which is why if you have a digital television, the first thing you have to do is tell it to scan for channels. Mm -hmm. And the digital signal at whatever frequency the TV finds it also contains the metadata of what's my channel identification. So it could be 5-1, 5-2, 5-3, 5-4-whatever. Right. And, and there can be, I don't, I don't know what the limit is on, on the sub-channels, but it also means because the way digital spectrum works and the allocation is you may have, um, you know, your old, your old example of channel 41 in Kansas city on, once they go make the digital analog transition, um, they may get at, at the availability without changing their FCC, FCC license to do three channels now, or they may have the ability to do, um, it's kind of a quasi channel where it's it, maybe channel 19. Remember the old PBS channel out of Kansas PBS, city? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, yep. I think they're, they're one of the examples and PBS is the, is the big one who does this where they'll have two or three channels where it's, you know, Nova on one channel and the McNeil Lair screaming hour on the other channel and some, oh. some, something else. But on, on those, you know, for example, 19 dash one is the main channel, but then on that channel, you can also change from English to Spanish, um, different subtitle channels. There's all this other stuff yeah. that, that the digital spectrum allows. Now that, that doesn't mean that it's operating at the same frequency that, you know, the old analog 19 channel 19 was at, but it's, it's kind of all over the place. So when we talk about all these sub channels, just the way the spectrum is being used and the way the licensing works, it, it, it was made really easy for the channels to, um, you know, the CBS affiliate might be able to, to kick on three or four different channels. And maybe one of them, um, I've heard one of them is called TV land. 
it not it's not having anything to do with CBS, but it's a lot of old stuff like out of the fifties and sixties. Oh yeah, that was uh, connected to Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong name there because yeah, that's um, TV Land. TV but, Land but was a was, cable channel. No, this was this ago. is over the air though. And oh. the whole the whole idea is you're getting Andy Griffith show, and a lot of older. Uh, older TV you're, you're you're obviously the, the the stations aren't paying the same royalty rights for this anymore it, mm-hmm. it's it's going to cost a lot more to pay for i don't know what are the common the, the new the new things whatever whatever the new new current uh tv shows are it's going to cost a lot of money know. to license those i think it's just part of being an affiliate but uh, in, in terms of the stuff it's all in the back catalog it's probably a mm-hmm. lot cheaper so in terms of seeing the older tv shows over the air that's definitely a possibility you don't mm-hmm. have to get cable or even have internet for that in a lot of cases and there's there's a lot of old tv on youtube um and that but i don't know i just i don't i just don't consume much of that stuff at all anymore um I just had an Elvis movie recommended to me that I had never seen from 1969 called Charo, C-H-A-R-R-O. So that's the last movie that I watched. Um, but again, I only, I probably only watch one movie a quarter. Like, like yeah, once, one every three months or so. And this year, I I didn't even watch um, a Christmas Carol. This year, it just the scheduling didn't work out. And usually, I watch I watch Scrooge on Christmas Eve, and it just didn't work out this year, timing wise. So, didn't even do that. Didn't watch any of the. Didn't watch Charlie Brown Christmas this year. Just you know, it just doesn't doesn't hold much of a much interest anymore in terms of reading. Um, the Jane Austen move for, for recreational fiction reading. Um, I can always pick up Pride and Prejudice. I can always pick up Persuasion. You know, you can always pick up any one of the Jane Austen novels and, and just read those if you want to relax and unwind. Um, otherwise, most of the stuff that I've been reading has been um, history, you know, history of history of Florence and Machiavelli and um, I read the history of Venice, stuff like that. Um, so I, I wish I had more um, and better advice, but I, th- I think the best advice that you can give anybody today is to just, just turn it off, especially if you have kids. Let them entertain themselves. Let them play. I mean, good grief. Up until 100 years ago, most people didn't even have a radio um, the notion that we just constantly have to have some sort of electronic media entertainment going at all times. And it's impossible to ha- to raise children or have children if you can't park them in front of some electronic media. I think one of the best things you could do for your kids in this day and age is just eliminate all electronic media, make them entertain themselves, make them have imaginations, um, make them play and get ideas from books, you know, heaven forfend anybody should actually sit down and read anything. Um, or if so, they're going to use uh, electronics or, or have screen time as the popular phrase is, um, 
try to make it not a passive thing, but more of an active thing. And, 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 uh, one of my sons, he, he, I don't know where in the world he got this idea, but, uh, he knows what Google maps is and what Google street view is. And he wanted to, to do the virtual travel of the Alcan or not the Alcan, but the, um, what do you call it? The, 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 the connection of roads from Nome, Alaska, or no, from, uh, the north, the north one, all the way. Maybe that is Nome, all the way down through Tierra del Fuego. Oh wow! And obviously, that that could take a lifetime to actually go through it on Google Maps. He's still in somewhere in in central <laughs> Alaska, but that's that's his motivation to actually do chores. Is hey, can I have Google Maps and continue driving or virtually drive? You know, traveling through Alaska and and uh, you know, seeing where the roads connect and 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 how it how it transitions from gravel and snow to oh there's pavement here we hit fairbanks um it's wow. it's screen time but it, it there there's a little bit of active engagement in terms of what you're doing there mm-hmm. interesting that's going to take him a while if he's <laughs> just click 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 yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely that's a many many year project for him so well well, by the That's- by the time he's uh, old enough to leave the nest, he'll he'll um, if he if he's still working on it, he could just you know go get a ticket to Alaska, get a motorcycle, and just drive from Alaska to to Chile and do it figured out that way. So right, right. Well, he's he's probably smart. He's saving himself the the horrible, super cold, super far north, and he's gonna he's gonna pick it up in like British Columbia where it starts to get you know just absolutely gorgeous. So. <laughs> We'll smart see. kid, smart kid. <laughs> we'll see. I, I didn't, I didn't uh, suggest that one. Like I said, I'm not sure what motivated that, but hey, that's in terms of requesting screen time. That's one that's easy to to allow. I'll, I'll, I'll grant that one sooner than. Uh, hey, can I can I watch Curious George again? Um, yeah. No, that that one's more receive only and and not even and not even brain on when you're watching cartoons. So. And the uh, other thing, the other thing is, is that we're finding out as as you know, events unfold, just how bad the infiltration of Hollywood was and that stuff that we thought like Sesame street was just, just such propaganda. Um, Disney, Disney's been a train wreck for a very, very, very long time. And some people will say that Disney's been a train wreck since its founding, that Walt Disney himself was a train wreck, um, that it wasn't just when it started, you know, getting into the, into the Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears era, that it was, it was bad before then. And so many unhealthy messages, um, feminism, fornication, all that uh, homosexuality, latent, latent, uh, displays of homosexuality that you would fly over the head of, of the heads of children, but at the same time, we're kind of desensitizing them to like campy behavior in men or, um, hyper, hyper butch, um, lesbian type, prototypes in, in female characters and so forth. There's just more and more and more is being exposed that all of it was really unhealthy. And so, I mean, you look at people who are my age, your age, you know, born in the seventies that we, we weren't spared any of that. Um, probably, probably some of the healthiest things that we watched were the old Warner brothers cartoons of, of Elmer Fudd shooting Daffy duck in the face over and over and over again. That was probably some of the, the healthiest stuff that we watched as children. So, yeah. I was just thinking in terms of, of more 
recent Disney uh, content that that isn't completely lost, and it's all based on acquisitions. So the uh, I've you've heard me talk about Star Wars content, but even then they've been trying to sneak that in, uh, and even not even subtly so uh, mm-hmm. in in the the last. Uh, uh, what they call the Skywalker series movies, um, the Rise of Skywalker. They had the open lesbian kiss in there, and and other suggestions throughout. Yeah. And it's that's that's an example of of you know Disney acquires something and then decides to start putting pushing their agenda into it. And in this case, screwing up one of the best um, science fiction characters of all time, Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And there's a side story. There's a gigantic. Uh, civil war going on inside of Lucasfilm right now because uh, they're, they're, another series called The Mandalorian is somewhat re- rehabilitating the idea of who Luke, Luke Skywalker is and and telling really good stories without um, getting into the uh, politics and and the intersectionality and all the rest. And the the president of, of uh, Lucasfilm is is arguably on her way out, about to be fired. Um, her her contract is up at I think sometime this year in the next few months. And uh, it, it seems to be that uh, the, the rumor is she's not going to be renewed. And the, the guys who, may, who are making The Mandalorian, uh, Filoni and Favreau, who are more interested in telling stories that are, that, that are good stories. And I don't mean that morally good, but you know, intellectually good. They make mm-hmm. sense and they don't have a political agenda. They're good science fiction. They're good uh, fiction stories. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes if I can find it. Um, it's, a, it's a link... Um, it's it's a audio from or a lecture I should say from Dr. David Allen White. Uh, it used to be, goodness, this has to be in the mid '90s. Um, they used to have a a lecture series during the summer up at uh, the SSPX Seminary in Winona, where uh, different people would give come in and give lectures, primarily for the seminarians, but the lay people come in as well. And it was it was the non priest material that that the seminarians got during the normal uh, study, and uh, Dr. White's uh, topic here was why Catholics should study literature, and specifically, what is the purpose of fiction when it comes to developing the the Catholic soul. And if I can find it, I'll include it. And if I can't, I apologize because uh, he he makes some awesome points about it. It's supposed to be uplifting. It's supposed to expose the true, beautiful, and good. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it doesn't. There there are all kinds of great nonfiction examples of that, but exp- expressing this in the fictional realm allows you to tell stories and, and make points that maybe haven't happened uh, in, in the real world, or maybe it's inspired by, and you, you uh, aggrandize it to make the point a little clearer. Um, definitely, there, there is a place for fiction, whether it's in, in writing or whether it's in a audio-visual format or audio, audio format. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that there's so little of it, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. The The entire movie theater paradigm is destroyed, like permanently, by the corona scam and, you know, shrug. Um, hopefully, a lot of Hollywood is going to go down in flames as a result of this, and then it, things will have to be rebuilt again. I, I had one before coronavirus happened, one of the contracts I was doing was working for a large entertainment company who primarily uh, operates movie theaters and in the the sense that I got talking to some of the the business people at that company is that they were fighting the issue that people don't want to come to a theater anymore they'd rather just watch on a small screen and by small screen they weren't talking about like a 60 inch television versus a silver screen they're talking about a phone yeah and a lot of these 
a lot of a lot of the the movie experience uh, is meant to be experienced not only on a giant screen but also with the enormous the sound. sound. Yes, it, yeah. it, and it's it's the ability to physically jolt you in your seat. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Michael Bay movies, for example, they, they're completely boring for a couple of minutes and then a giant explosion, which literally will move you in your seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have that experience with a phone. Nope. Not even with, with earbuds in your ears, but or earbuds in your ears. You're going to have stereo, but you're not going to have that teeth rattling experience. And again, circling back to what we we're talking before, look at a four-year-old child today. That child will probably never go to a movie. It's pretty amazing. Well, the only reason to do it would be um, the best analogy I can think of is it has to do with opera. I mean, you you can watch an awesome recording of of the best performance ever of a metropolitan opera, mm-hmm. but even the best recording pales in comparison to yeah. a mediocre re, um, performance that you see in person. That's right. Because the audio has to be compressed. I mean, the the even even with the perfection of CDs, unless you are going to drop a hundred grand on a sound system, you aren't going to be able to approach what you can experience in person yeah. to hear what the soprano can do with her voice and projecting uh, audio throughout the 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 uh, amphitheater, mm-hmm. and and uh, how that contrasts with with the the bass and and and. and all, and, and the and orchestra. Ma- yes, exactly. The orchestra I mean, right there, yeah. It, it cannot be digitally reproduced in a means that, that the average consumer um, can can experience. And, and even when, even before COVID, I mean, the, the only times I had gone to the cinema were for some of the Metropolitan Opera HD simulcasts. And even on those giant screens with their $100,000 sound systems, it still falls short. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's why that's why when you go to you know cities in Europe, especially I suppose New York, um, that have that have an op- big opera houses, that they'll have like three or four tiers, three or four casts, and you know the the ticket prices and the date, you know the times and the dates of of um, each performance are set by which cast it is. So, you know, the, the number one, the top tier cast, those tickets are going to be extremely expensive. That's going to be, you know, your Friday night, your Saturday night, whatever. And then like on a Tuesday night is the fourth string cast, um, same opera, but you know, it's, it's (laughs) Bush league or, or, you know, triple a ball, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And yet, People still go. People totally still go to those third and fourth string cast performances. Why? All those people, all those rich, snooty people who are wearing furs and diamonds and all this, you know, they have wicked good sound systems back at their house and that they could pop in a CD or, um, you know, watch a, a, a video recording of a performance why are these people going to a fourth string performance at the opera house? Well, it's two things. It's because as super nerd just said, the experience of it in person is completely different and cannot be replicated. And number two, it's just the experience of going, which again is something that the Corona scam is aiming to destroy. 
destroy all human interaction. Um, the notion of just going out and doing anything social with other people, um, because this is a this is a explicitly satanic and Luciferian operation. They want to destroy all of that, and also the fact that it's it's um, they're working in harmony with Islam. And the Islamic political system um, says that all performance, public performance of music is a capital offense. Um, if, if Sharia law, if those people get their way, if anybody performs music, people get together and sit on a stage and perform, you know, Claire de Lune. According to Sharia law, every single one of these people should be should have their heads sawed off right there. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Are they going to tear down the opera houses like the Sydney Opera House or La Scala in Milan or the the, the, the Grand Paris um, operas, or are they going to convert them into mosques? Probably convert them into mosques, I would think. I don't know much. I don't know much about mosque architecture, but I don't see how that would work. Well, and and the this is it's. I'm actually being serious when I say this. The value of that real estate will be contingent upon the layout of the building relative to Mecca, because you have to, you know, they all they all squat down and stick their butts up in the air, and they're they have to be facing towards Mecca. So uh, it's going to have a lot to do with the orientation of the building. But then, yeah, I mean, they'll eventually, because it's so satanic and it's about destruction for destruction's sake. They'll they'll just start saying, "See, you damn people, we you you people just keep going out, and you people just keep thinking that you have to be going to this event and you have to be going to that event, and even though we're we're only sitting at at twenty five percent capacity or even ten percent capacity, see, damn it, look how many cases we had today. You people, that you we cannot have this. We're going to have to start tearing these things down. It's your fault." It's your fault, and it's all going to be cast as your fault. Um, what's coming right now, and you know, the UK is is leading in all this. That I think the UK just announced that they're they're pretty much going into permanent lockdown. It's it's never going to end. They're never going to relent. Um, so everybody is is under house arrest, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's their punishment for insisting on Brexit, though. Well, it's it's that, and it's also you damn people with your Christian holidays. See, see, and, and, and look, look, the UK is, is mostly atheist. Nobody goes to church in the UK anymore. I mean, it's, it's over up there. That's mission territory, 100%. But it's the, the blame casting, and I'm sure they'll do the same thing in Italy, and they'll do the same thing everywhere. You damn people, you just had to go to church. You just had to do your Christmas thing, didn't you? Well, now look, look at all these. Can no? Now we've got a we've got a new mutated variation. Well, no kidding. That's that's one of the reasons why, um, specifically, why Gates and the rest of them chose Coronaviridae as their propaganda tool um, is because Coronaviridae mutate like extremely rapidly, which is why you can get you can get a cold in like November. And then you can get another cold in March, 
um, the cold that you had in November doesn't give you any immunity for the rest of the year because coronaviridae mutates so rapidly that it just doesn't even matter, which is why it's, it's interesting. Uh, you look at the statistics of healthcare workers, um, that a lot of healthcare workers are saying, yeah, no, I'm not doing this vaccine nonsense. Healthcare workers know what's up. They know this is all bull and that there's, there's no way that even in theory on paper, that you could ever have a vaccine against any sort of a coronaviridae because it mutates too quickly. You're just constantly behind the eight ball. It serves no purpose. And interestingly, Nurse Claire sent me something. She's on a, a Facebook group that's all nurses, obviously. It's a Facebook group for nurses. And a lot of these these nurses have gotten the um, the fake vaccine. And very interestingly, the um, bad side effects pop up consistently on day eight. Not, not immediately. I mean, they might get a little bump or a little soreness when they first get it. Like clockwork, it's day eight. Wait, the vaccine they, has an octave? Uh, the vaccine has an octave. Yep. And then their arm explodes into some ginormous rash and they're, they're, laid out in bed and they're sore and they can't move and da, 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 da. And yeah, it's, it's a hot mess. So, and a lot of, a lot of healthcare people know what's up and they don't want anything to do with it, which duh, that's just common sense. And of course they're in a position to use professional uh, knowledge to say, I'd rather not do it and explain why medically speaking, but let's just say you're a computer programmer and the, the terms for, we want you to come back to the office, but you have to, instead of working from home forever, but you're going to have to have, to have a vaccine. I'm thinking that um, my excuse is going to have to be, well, I'm healthy and I'm youngish. Um, I don't feel right taking the place of somebody who, you know, the elderly or frontline workers who really need this virus a lot more than me. I'm going to give my place in line to somebody else who really needs it. <laughs> I can work from home. <laughs> have you heard what but have you heard what the latest is? I think it's in New York. They're saying that the next tier of people, okay, so first it was poor blacks and poor Latinos, poor brown people. Okay. Google that Tuskegee was, experiments. Right. Google Tuskegee. That's right. <laughs> so poor black and brown people, young, young black and brown people should be at the front of the line. Guess what they just said? The next tier of people who should get it, I believe in New York is junkies, drug addicted junkies should be the next one to get it. They're going down the line of people that they want to sterilize. I mean, it's, it's so glaringly obvious. It's every undesirable group and people who have the potential to reproduce. And okay, we got to get rid of all the brown people. Next, we got to get rid of all the junkies. Da 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 da. And then what will be next? And no, and old people who allegedly were the ones who who this was all about. You know, we got we. No one's allowed to die. Eighty-nine-year-old grandmother is just simply not permitted to die of pneumonia, even though it's been like the number four killer of the elderly since time immemorial. Um, Nope, they're, they're, they've set this, this propaganda machine such that no one is allowed to ever get sick again, no one is allowed to ever get a cold or the flu, and no one is allowed ever again to die. So that means that this is never going to end, that it's permanent. And that's, 
that's what Gates's plan was from the beginning, Event 201. Everybody listening knows all about that. And Operation Lockstep, I think that was the, who was that? The Rothschilds or whoever put together that, that presentation in, I think, 2010 on Operation Lockstep that co- completely describes exactly all of this going on. So, yeah. I don't know. Operation Lockstep sounds too close to Operation Goose Step to me. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well, we're coming up on an hour and 40 minutes, and I'm, we were going to talk about uh, Lynn Wood, but I think that can probably marinate for a few more days. We're going to see some craziness this week, or maybe we won't. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, speculation. I think the QAnon types, the whole Q operation was to keep any would-be patriots sitting at home, trusting the plan, which would, was never going to happen, and uh, we're going to have President Harris on uh, January 31st. Well, my my worry. I think we've talked about this. I can't remember what we talk what we talk about and what I have in private conversations. Um, I'm really, really worried that there are a lot of people who have bought into this. And on January 20th, when Trump gets in a helicopter and goes to Mar-a-Lago, if that's if that's the way it it pans out. I think there there are going to be people that are going to be absolutely psychologically broken by this, um, and because they've been putting their trust in princes and the sons of men, which is completely contrary to scripture. And like you said, they've fallen for this stuff. And I, I can do my Lynn Wood thing uh, pretty quickly. I mean, people are just constantly emailing me this this stuff, guys. Lynn Wood has every appearance to me of being schizophrenic and i'm i'm not kidding he has he's on the record as um saying that he thinks that he might be the second coming of christ he's on the record in writing as claiming divinity of some sort um yeah he's high functioning and there is such a thing as late onset schizophrenia so it's possible that this guy you know went through law school passed the bar had a career and then in his late 40s early 50s um late onset schizophrenia delusions of grandeur um kind of rambling incoherent um i have secret knowledge but I have to be, you know, my power has to be acknowledged first. Um, one, one of the sad realities of, of when you have any sort of notoriety on the internet is all kinds of strange people end up in your email box. And one of the things that unfortunately I have gotten to observe very closely firsthand is, is schizophrenia. I have a couple of schizophrenics. There's one in particular who... Sometimes, I mean, it's been three and a half years now, and this guy generally sends several dozen emails per day. And when he's really going, he sends like hundreds of composed emails per day. And I mean, they all get instantly put into a uh, into a, a trash folder um, so that's not cluttering up my email box. And then I just go and look at I look at this folder every day and see how many dozen or hundred emails that this guy has sent. And he's he's clearly, clearly paranoid, delusional, delusional, schizophrenic, convinced that he's had visions of God, that he has secret knowledge that will save the world and provide unlimited energy. I mean, and but it's gibberish. It's English. It's English words and it's English grammar, but it's gibberish. And the Linwood stuff, he's not saying anything that we don't already know. 
Of course, we all know that Trump won the election. Everybody knows that. Of course, we all know that there is a massive cabal of pedophiles. Yes, that's 100% real. He just keeps saying absolutely bizarre things and then never backing any of it up. And the latest that he's got is that he has a secret video of taken by Epstein of um, Supreme Court Justice Roberts um, raping and then killing a child. And he has all kinds of video evidence. Like, guys, if think about if you were in that position and you had something like that. What would you do? Would you would you go put on some sort of a damn show on Twitter if you had information like that? Of course not. I mean, you you get that stuff out, and I understand that it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to do to get stuff like that out when we're talking about child pornography and snuff. That I mean, it's it's a it's a felony. It's a class A felony to have any of that on your laptop. So you have to be very careful about it. But you get that information out. You don't go play these ridiculous, I've got a secret games on Twitter and uh, and then declaring declaring your own divinity and and all all shall love me in despair and blah blah blah. This guy is is throwing every indication of being schizophrenic. And another thing to think about is why why is Lynn Wood still on Twitter? I mean, if you if, if you had a Twitter account and you know you called you called Bruce Jenner by his name and referred to him with masculine pronouns, Twitter would would cancel your account. Yeah, what, that that what? is a that is actually a legitimate. I said legitimate. It's a verbatim Real, yeah. violation of their terms of service. It's called dead naming. Dead naming. Yes. So some some completely insane person decides that they're the opposite, that they're the opposite sex. And if you don't fully capitulate to that, um, not only is it getting to the point where you can get thrown off of social media platforms, I mean, over in Europe, there are places where it's, it's criminal. They, they will come after you. They will arrest you. Um, they will destroy your life. If you call some drag queen him, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. And yet, and yet Lynn Wood hasn't been touched on Twitter. I think it's probably because it's either he's either he's malignant and this is all a pose and he's just trying to poison the well by making making everyone who questions or acknowledges the fact that that Trump had that Trump won the election and it's being stolen from him trying to cast everyone as just being certifiably insane who who holds that position so he's either malignant or he is schizophrenic and and the other side is just sitting there watching this you know laughing their butts off because this guy is just it's a complete own goal he's he's destroying any credibility that that anybody could possibly have um it's it's very worrying it's and the whole oh trust the plan trust the plan it's it's kind of a it's almost a species of torture um when uh, a captor keeps saying oh we're almost there T- uh two more weeks and this is this is all going to be over it's they're doing the same thing with with corona scam too 
it is a species of torture to put people under lockdown and then say, okay, just two more weeks. And then the two weeks comes and I, oh, no, sorry, got to do it for another month. And then the month expires. Oh, no, sorry. Getting people's hopes up and then crashing them intentionally like that. It's, um, it's all a species of torture um, and psych- intense psychological manipulation. Um, and oh, now that you ne- mention it, that, that, that all of a sudden makes a lot more sense with, with some of the QAnon stuff with, with trusting the plan. They, they were saying that it was going to be like the, the week of the 20th of December that uh, Pence yeah. was going to you know, make some constitutional maneuver that was going to nullify the election. They said, no, they can't do it yet because you can't show your cards too early and just keep dragging it out, dragging it yep. out, dragging it out. And I don't really follow this stuff. I just I follow a couple of podcasts who bring it up from time to time. And it's like, okay, the more they keep changing, it reminds me of these uh, cult leaders who say the world is going to end on this particular date. Send me all your money so we can make a, a, a donation to the cosmic whatever is going to happen and drink our Kool-Aid or something stupid like that. But they keep changing the date when things don't happen. Or at the last minute, I was able to uh, um, obtain a reprieve for all of humanity. So send me more donations or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And they keep it, they keep it pretty close. They keep it so that it's, it's tantalizing. It's just, oh, just, just, just two more weeks, just 10 more days. Oh, it's getting ready. Get, watch out guys. This, this next 48 hours is going to be intense. This has been going on for months and months and months now. And some people would say years, the QAnon stuff has been going on fears. Oh, just, just wait, just watch. I guarantee you. Two weeks from today, Hillary Clinton is going to be frog marched in an orange jumpsuit and shackles, and she's going to be indicted. Nothing has happened. The only thing that has happened is a totalitarian takeover of the entire Western world. Nothing, nothing about the QAnon stuff has happened. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of people are are cottoning to this. And I see a lot more people in, in comment boxes saying these people need to put up or shut up and shut up forever because people are starting to really suspect that they're being played, they're being manipulated and that this is in a, in and of itself, a, uh, a psychological, uh, quasi control brainwashing sort of a thing. Um, I'm, I'm more concerned about the people who still buy Q, the whole Q stuff, hook, line and sinker absolutely believe it. And then when uh, Harris is, is made president here within three weeks, they're going to be apoplectic say, but the election was stolen. Q told us all this was going to happen. I'm going to have to go do something violent. Yeah, I think I it's going to happen. And I, when it, I and absolutely when it, think it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and when that happens, exactly, President Harris is, is exactly the person to bring down the hammer on everybody to the right of Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you can see this coming way, way off. There's, there's going to be people that are going to have thousand yard stairs, as, as one uh, correspondent put it. Um, people who are just going to be staring off into space and are going to be completely psychologically broken. There's going to be suicides. There's going to be stuff like um, uh, public immolations, people dousing themselves in gasoline and setting themselves on fire. Um, People are going to snap. People are going to break. And, you know, I was talking earlier in the podcast about, you know, war, and this is never going to end without war. 
the thing that you have to remember about that is you cannot undertake something like that if you're not organized and you don't have a plan for continuity of government. So look at the look at the American Revolution as a, as a really good example of this. Um, with all the problems that the American Revolution had and has, the one thing that you cannot fault those guys for is to say that they weren't prepared. They did have a plan for continuity of governance. There was never a, a power vacuum. It was it was a smooth transition from the crown to the American uh, Republic, and so there is no organization now. Um, Look at the Civil War, okay? So the, the the first Civil War, the first Civil War breaks out, and immediately, guys, there are mustering points. People know where to go to enlist. Um, there's, you know, boot basically de facto boot camp. Men are being taught how to march. Immediately, training is starting. People are mustering. People are organized. There is nothing. Zippo. Yeah, people are armed to the hilt. There's there's more there are more firearms and more ammunition in the United States of America. There's more firepower than any culture ever has ever had. And yet there is no capacity to put it to use. And there and I would even take it further and say there's no I don't see any way right now to put it to use in a morally licit way because there is no organization whatsoever. Okay, let, let's say tomorrow morning somebody ste steps out and says, all right, this is it, civil war, let's go. Where do you do, what, where do you go? Who are you reporting to? Where do you go to enlist? Who's your commanding officer? What's the chain of command? Who's answering to whom? You guys, there, there's no organization whatsoever. You can't fight a war like that. No, it's, a, it's actually a Catholic social doctrine that it, while it is morally licit to rebel against a, a tyrant, you can't mm -hmm. do it unless the end state you have the end state that you have planned that you can actually replace the tyrannical government with something just. Yes. So if if the end state of what your your overthrow action is going to be would result in anarchy. You're not morally allowed to do it. You can't do that. And the the again, show notes, show notes. Thomas Aquinas, um, De Regnum, on Kings. Aquinas, okay, the angelic doctor goes on at length about how and the conditions for and the ducks that you need to have in a row to engage in tyrannicide. That is assassinating a tyrant. Yes, there are there are circumstances when assassinating a tyrant is 100% on the table. Thomas Aquinas discusses the conditions that need to be in place and how you go about assassinating a tyrant and he and he makes the point that Super Nerd just said, you have got to be prepared and it has to be that whatever replaces this tyranny that you're assassinating this guy for it has to be better. You cannot do. You cannot just go and kill a tyrant and then just throw up your hands and walk away and say, "My work here is done." Oh no, no, no! Killing the guy is the very, very, very beginning. You've got to have have organization on a level 
that simply nobody has. The, the only thing I can see that would um, hasten the organization process is that you do have the American Constitution as originally drafted. So you start with that, and then you you nix a whole bunch of the amendments, you know, 19th being the first, and um, you you start from scratch with the American Constitution as originally drafted, and of course, you know, get rid of the the slavery and the three-fifths and all, and three-fifths compromise and all that. Get rid of all that, obviously. But you've got, you've got a very nice base there to start with. But is anybody doing this? Oh, no. <laughs> no. The, the assumption is, is that everything's just going to keep going within the system as it is now. Clearly, obviously, that's not going to work. But if no, if nobody's organized and you you call a civil war, but there's no military, there's no chain of command, there's no mustering point, nobody knows where to where to go, what to do, or who's in charge. Um, you you can't even begin to do this because it is it's just going to be anarchy. And at that point, the biggest psychopath with the with the highest proclivity and capacity for brute violence that's who's going to win and that's who's going to run your country. And so it, and believe it, as bad as it is now, it could conceivably get worse. If, if, you know, if, if gangbanger Pookie is essentially given, given free reign to do absolutely anything that he wants. Um, yeah. Your, your life is going to be considerably worse than it is even now when you're under house arrest. Yeah. That's a happy thought. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how we roll here. Good times. The the idea, if you overthrow a tyrant, you have to be able to see it through and have a plan. It makes me think about um, our activities in the last 20 years in places like uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. Because the, the objective there is just enriching um, billionaires. War, war, war is a profit, as a profit center. They're, they don't want stability. They don't want Afghanistan to be a good, wholesome country and no heroines being produced. And they don't want Afghanistan to look like Afghanistan looked in, in the early 1960s when it was kind of almost getting to be downright cosmopolitan. They don't want anything to do with that. They want the continuous grinding war that will enrich, you know, the, the military industrial complex, they've been at the trough now for how many decades? And now it's the time, now big pharma's at the trough, billions and billions and billions going to big pharma. And, um, you know, and um, Amazon and Walmart, they're trying to eliminate all retail alternatives so that they're trying to force everybody to buying everything through basically Amazon and Walmart. I was just seeing something on CNBC a couple of days ago that uh, Walmart wants to be your primary care physician. Yep. I mean, that that's interesting. We can talk about the whole idea of posted prices for healthcare and cash on the barrel head and zero. Well, that, that's, a financial, but, that, that's a financial Friday topic. And uh, we're way overdue to do one of those as well. Yes, absolutely. But I, I ain't never going to give Walmart any access to my, to my physical person in any way like that. I'll, I'll take my chances. I got, I've got my Ivo mech, so I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I've, I've been through Arkansas. There are some pretty places there, but uh, I don't want to turn my body over to the folks from uh, Vietnam. 
<laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> Bentonville. I, I know. It's it's next door to Vietnam. I know, I know. Uh, okay, I added another one to the show notes here. We're going to have a, a long list of uh, reading material. Uh, Smedley Butler's uh, uh, Screed, or not Screed, it's more of a pamphlet, uh, War as a Racket. And Smedley yes. Butler, if you're not familiar with him, he was the first person to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor twice and walk away from it. Hmm. Interesting. All right. I think we're ready to wrap up now. We're at uh, an hour 55. Yep, you bet. Okay, so we're going to wrap up now. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or good news items for wrapping up the podcast is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude for all of her benefactors. 2021 is going to be a little more wild and weird, I suspect, than 2020. We're going to look back and say, you know, I wouldn't mind 2020 again if we could go back and do that again. Um, yeah. No, that's done. We're, we're on to more wild craziness. And um, at least one of the one of the few bright things for the time being is that every single day at least one mass is offered for all of Anne's benefactors and once every week a traditional Latin requiem mass is offered for everybody who died the previous week please pray for these priests they're going to be they're they're targeted more ways than we can understand and and uh, they need our prayers um, <laughs> they need our prayers massively uh, so the in terms of how much should I pray for the priest yes more it would be good. I mean, yep. obviously take care of everything in your state and life, but if you have time, pray for the priests. The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or in previous episodes and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn how to do that. And I'd like to recognize a few donors since the last time we had a podcast. And via the Postal Service, Richard, Stephen, and Christina. And Christina, thank you for the Christmas card. That was very nice. And uh, via the internet, uh, through PayPal this time, uh, Jeffrey, Kenneth, Michael, John, James, Gerard, and Blaine. Um, Via Bitcoin, nobody. Um, Although it's interesting, did you see that Bitcoin topped out over almost $34,000 in the last week? Yep. It's coming back down, actually. I was refreshing the tab uh, to to see what it it was uh, for for this part of the podcast. And it was over, it was was in the high 32,000s when we started the podcast. It's around 31 flat right now. So it's like dropping as we we talk. So we should talk Uh, about- Volatility is always indicative of an extremely healthy market. (laughs) Yeah. Right. They, no, my point in bringing that up is there is a Bitcoin address out there. I don't necessarily recommend anybody do it, um, but if you really, really want to, you know, there there's an address out there where you can donate that way. Um, and that's the end of anything I have to say for the podcast. I'll let you finish up with Matthew 1720. Matthew 1720, our fourfold intention, um, fasting twice a week if you can, and obviously prayer every day, that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living vicar of Christ since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger, repent of anything he might need to repent of, die in the state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for us. And until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. Bye.